Hey, everybody. It's Miss Kansas USA 1993, Tavia Hunt, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey, everybody. My name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today was Miss Kansas USA 1993 and second runner-up that year at Miss USA. She was also a semifinalist at Miss Teen USA in 1990 where she represented Missouri. She currently serves as a director of the Kansas City Chiefs Women's Organization. She's worked on the NFL Women's Apparel Campaign as a consultant and spokesmodel since its inception in 2010. She is also a member of the Best Dressed Women of Dallas Hall of Fame and has also been honored as a fashion star with a cause. She advises a number of national and local nonprofit organizations. She is a board member of numerous foundations and has served on the Southern Methodist University's 21st Century Council, as well as the board of directors of the Heart of a Champion Foundation, among others. She received her Bachelor of Arts from the University of Missouri at Kansas City, where she studied political science and biology. In addition to her involvement in the community, she is married to Clark Hunt, the chairman and CEO of the Kansas City Chiefs, and is also the mother of three children, Gracie, Noble, and Ava. A real honor to have her on the podcast today. Tavia Hunt, welcome to Life After the Crown. Thank you so much, Tim, for having me. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to visit here. Yeah, we've been trying to get together for a couple of months here. She got sick, I got sick, and here we are, and uh, just so thankful to have you on. Now, what an incredible resume I just read, and and obviously we have so much to talk about today, but from what I can tell, um, for you, I, I guess it really seemed to start kind of with pageantry there in 1990 when you represented Missouri as a teen. Does that sound about right? Well, it does sound right, but let me just start by saying the reason that that resume has so many things on it is because I'm definitely not one of your younger guests. <laughs> so I've had a little more time to, to put a few more things on there over the years. But yes, well, it's You certainly really don't look it, so we'll give you that. Thank you. Pageantry has been a huge part of my life. And uh, Miss Teen USA was actually my second national pageant. And it really just set me on a course, affected my entire life. So I, I guess talk about, you know, competing in the 90s and competing today are two completely different things. What was it like in the early 90s? I mean, that was kind of the... I guess we'll call it the ramp up for the Miss Universe organization towards, you know, when they really started to hit their stride there in the late 90s and and early 2000s. Did you enjoy your experiences in in both the teen and Miss competitions? Tim, I did. And I just think pageantry has changed so much over the years. When I first started competing, I was 17 years old. And in the area that I came from, pageantry isn't what it is in Texas and in the South. And I had the great fortune to win each competition that I was in and move on to the next, sort of thinking that it, 
was easier than it actually is. But today, it's such a business, and there's so much that goes into preparation, as we all know. Um, and it's been incredible to see it specialize as everything really has across the nation. But the organization, when I was involved in 90 and 93, was truly spectacular. It was classy. It was incredibly well run. And I could not have had a better experience in either national pageant. Do you like the changes that you see today? I mean, you know, we're talking, you know, 20, 30 years. It's evolved in so many different ways. But, you know, I guess these past, you know, three or four years, it's kind of become something different. Are, are, you know, as a mother of a pageant competitor, are, are you liking what you're seeing? It's very interesting. What I do like today is that there seems to be a pageant for everyone. No matter what your strengths are, you can play to those strengths in any of the different systems that are out there. I have one daughter who has lots of talent and, and another daughter whose greatest talent is probably juggling a soccer ball who could never compete at Miss America. <laughs> so it's... It's really great to that there is something for everyone. And I, I actually like that I'm seeing a little bit of a purpose added to Miss USA. I know that's controversial. I think you can take it too far. But I love traditional beauty pageants. I love that Miss USA has always been a traditional beauty pageant. And I don't think you should sacrifice the total beauty of a person. But I do think that a purpose greater than oneself adds to that beauty. And, and I've enjoyed seeing them put a little bit of focus on that as long as they don't try to make it into a Miss America. <laughs> I certainly hope not. And, and I mentioned that you, your daughter, Gracie, competes in pageants. Um, you know, you, so you've kind of gone from, you know, pageant winner in teen, pageant winner in Miss, now you're a pageant mother. What's the difference between being on the contestant side of things and going for the title and then being a mother and watching your daughter try to go for those things? It's much harder as a mother. <laughs> much harder. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, when I was competing, I absolutely thrived on competition, on being on stage. I loved the on-stage interview. I was a competitive dancer before I started in pageantry, and so I loved performing. And I always felt very calm before competition. I'd take a moment before stepping on stage and pray and get my mind right. And I really loved the competition and the camaraderie of being a part of one state among 50 and making all these new friends. But now when I have no control, when I watch my daughters on stage <laughs> competing and it's all up to them and um, just like you would take anything on yourself as a mother to make something better or to take something that was harmful away from your child. You just want to do anything you can to help them. And so just to sit back and know that it's not in your hands and let go and let God and let them just shine in their own light has been a real learning experience and a real test of faith and just relief. Well, I have a lot of, in addition to pageant contestants who listen to the podcast, a lot of pageant mothers. And, you know, we don't really ever give them a lot of advice on, you know, how to handle what they do. But I, I know a lot of them would probably ask you, how do you handle going about working with Gracie? Are you a hands-on pageant mom? Do you really lay off and just kind of let her do her thing? You know, because you have experience, obviously, in pageants. Um, how do you approach working with her? That's a great question. And I think it's different for Every mother and daughter, depending on what your relationship is like, Gracie and I have an extremely close relationship, and we love working on things together. We love walking together. We love practicing interview questions together, just running ideas across each other, um, and especially shopping. We love designing the, the fashions and, and shopping for things, and 
it's been an incredible bonding experience for the two of us. But I've also learned that children sometimes learn better from someone else and a different perspective is incredibly valuable. Gracie's had a couple of coaches that she's worked with through pageantry that have become amazing mentors for her. And I just love seeing her develop those relationships and learn from incredible women. Uh, and it's been, it's been an amazing thing to watch. And I'm so excited for her to get to grow in all the ways that pageantry pushes you and challenges you. So as you have stood on both sides now, you know, on the stage and in the audience um, as a mother, I guess for anybody listening, what is the one greatest piece of advice that you could give? Well, if my greatest parenting piece of advice is different from my pageantry piece of advice. Then how about uh, let's do greatest, both? <laughs> I'll do both. My greatest parenting piece of advice to my children has always been not to lower your standards, but to lengthen your patience in all things. Uh, and I think that that has served them very well. And we talk about thinking long-term about things and not short-term and the benefits of that. For pageantry, I would say that it's just to do your best and to let God do the rest. I think that just like preparing for any sport, and our family is a very sporting family, we, uh, in all sports, were involved with soccer and football as my son played the sports and both girls played soccer. The game is won off the field in your preparation, in your work, in your study. And pageantry is just like that. Everything is about how prepared you are. And you just, you do your best. You, you study your questions, you work out, you stay fit, you make sure that you know what's going on in the world and you can intelligently articulate your opinion about what's going on. And once you've done the homework, once you've been very careful and diligent and persistent in your practice, then you know you've done everything you can do and you leave it to the Lord because I've watched so many pageants over the years and very few does every single person agree on the winner. Everyone has an opinion and on a different day with a different set of judges, you truly do get a different winner. So I think you just like everything in your life have to know, at least I, how we live is that God is sovereign and you do your best and leave it to him. Man, I, I love both of those. I think we should make T-shirts out of them, to be honest. Those were fantastic little <laughs> one-line. I mean, seriously, those were great. I, I seriously, if I could print them on a T-shirt right now, I would. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I probably have. My children would, would definitely not buy the T-shirt because they've heard the advice far too many times. They'd be like, yada, yada, yada. We've heard this. We know, Mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not going to sell any, Mom. Please don't do that. That's embarrassing. Well, hey, speaking of apparel, um, as we mentioned in the beginning, uh, you are a consultant and spokesmodel for the NFL Women's Apparel Campaign. Um, which is a humongous apparel market because, you know, we see all the commercials and just how many people who wear jerseys and et cetera and in your chief's kingdom as well. When you consult with the NFL and the women's apparel campaign, what exactly are you you teaching them, you educating them on, or are you helping them with? Well, the apparel campaign really came out of need for women's fashion. The female football fan represents 49% of all, all fans and it's just an amazing number that continues to grow. And we really just didn't have a good selection of merchandise. Uh, and I was frustrated and a couple of other owners' wives were frustrated. And we started talking at league meetings and got with 
some league executives and decided to do something about it. So we had some meetings in New York initially to set a course, talk about what we wanted to do, what our approach would be. And over the years, we've had incredible designers from Marquesa, from Alyssa Milano, most recently DKNY, become involved with the campaign and create beautiful pieces And as we all know, guys will go to the stadium and buy one jersey and they will wear it for a decade. Even when the player has been gone <laughs> That's us. for five years, they will continue to wear the same jersey where we want new fashion. We want something that's fresh and cute and different. And so it's been a great market. Uh, there, It's been so well received. That's what's so exciting. Or How many people come up and thank me? for working on it and for creating new things and continuing to just challenge them to find softer fabrics and more sparkly glitter and just to widen the selection for plus size and all sizes. It's been amazing to watch it grow and over the past, really the campaign is over 10 years now and the sky's the limit for it. Well, I had no idea the number was 49%. That's pretty incredible. I would have thought more around maybe 25, 30. So that's, that's fantastic. And I think also what it shows is how sports and in this case, football bring people together. I love how families come together to cheer on their team and how uniting it is for communities. And uh, we have lots of rivalries, but we're dear friends with people from all 32 teams. And um, so we may not be um, as close on game day. We, we don't wish them ill. We say uh, great game, no injuries, but certainly not good luck. And it's very uniting and it brings people together. And I think it's really special. Well, you know, we're, we're talking about the NFL and, uh, obviously, uh, your involvement with the Chiefs. Now, you're one of, uh, you know, maybe a couple of handfuls of women in the entire country um, who uh, live the life that you do as the wife of an NFL owner. Um, Maybe if you don't mind, I'd love to know, how did you and Clark meet? (laughs) I was actually on stage as Miss Missouri Teen USA helping MC an event. And the public relations director for the Chiefs was in the audience. After the event, he came, he approached me and said, Hey, we're looking for interns. If you have any interest in interning for the Chiefs this summer, we would love for you to interview. I said, wow, I'd love to. I'm a huge fan and I will definitely send you my resume uh, and pursue that. So I got the internship. It was right after Miss Teen USA. And I was riding the elevator on my very first game day and the elevator doors opened. My husband and his friends and family got on the elevator. They shut. We all sort of awkwardly looked at each other and looked away. I looked down (laughs) because I was this 19-year-old intern who is just trying not to mess things up. Did you know who they were? And I did not know who they were. I didn't. I hadn't met Clark yet or his parents, and his dad wasn't actually on the elevator. So they get off, I get off, and I don't really think anything of it. But Clark decided that day that he was going to meet and date the new intern in Kansas City, (laughs) which I laugh laugh about to this day. He was six years older than I, and he hadn't dated anybody in Kansas City. The family's from Texas. And I still say he had to marry a Kansas City girl because he couldn't trust a cowboy conversion. (laughs) So that's probably how the whole thing went down. It was really fun because the next fall, I said, hey, I've always wanted to do Miss USA. This is a dream of mine. I hope you don't have a problem with that. He was like, of course not. You know, you need to chase your dreams, whatever that is, I'll support you. 
And so he and his parents were in the audience when I won Miss Kansas, and they went to Miss USA to support me. Uh, I, this story is one of my very favorite stories. On the way to the Miss USA pageant, his best friend said, so you want her to win. And he, it was his birthday, February 19th, the Miss USA pageant was on his birthday. And he said, you know, to be honest, I really don't. He said, if she wins, she'd have to move to Los Angeles for a year. That's where Miss USA and Miss Universe lived back then. He said, if she is first runner-up, we have to wait until after Miss Universe to see what's going to happen. But he said, if she's second runner-up, then when this is over, she can crown the new queen and we can get married. And that's exactly what happened. And so I blame it on him. The reason why I didn't win Miss USA <laughs> was because he had his birthday wish. Darn you, Clark. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure every girl listening right now is going, how do I get an internship with an NFL organization and maybe... <laughs> what happened to me, what happened to Tavia. So that, that's, that's, that's a really cool story. So, you know, I, I read that you studied political science and biology in school. Um, so I, I guess before you met Clark and, and everything with the chiefs happened, what is it that you were looking to do as a career? Uh, I wanted to be an environmental attorney. I was set on a course for law school and thought that I would graduate and then uh, do law school. And I didn't actually want, my whole philosophy was, I grew up very middle class, and my parents weren't that excited about me starting in pageantry. I convinced them to let me do it for scholarships and for the prizes and the opportunities, but they really didn't know anything about it. And they said, look, if you want to do this, you really have to do this. And so, so I went out and went to banks. I went to art galleries. I went anywhere I could think of and asked them if they would support me in the pageant. And I raised lots and lots of money doing that. And I said, look, if I win, I'll come out and I'll do ribbon cuttings. I'll greet people and pass out pamphlets. I'll do anything that you need me to do. And if I don't win, I can still do the same thing. I just won't have the title. And I, I paid for my gowns. I paid for my training, everything through raising money because my parents made me do that. And it was an incredibly valuable lesson. I think back then I didn't appreciate it, but now I look back and I think how much I learned from just going out and selling the opportunity to support a young person in her dreams to these businesses. And actually two weeks ago, I received a letter that was sent to the chief and routed through to me from the art gallery owner who gave me $1,000 in 1990 no to kidding. support me in my endeavors. Yeah. Wow. I, I just, I literally just added his name into my Christmas card list so that I could send him a card and, and say thank you. But he just wanted to touch base and say that they still think about me. They still are so glad that we crossed paths and that they had the opportunity to do that. And wow. It's really pageantry's brought in so many different ways incredible people well, in my life, and I'm so grateful. It certainly has prepared you, obviously. And, and I guess that's my question is now as a, a obviously a, a leading lady, a woman of influence um, who is the, the wife of an NFL owner. I mean, you're part of the leading team of a kingdom, the chief's kingdom. How did pageantry prepare you to be able to be in such a position and, and handle? And I'm sure there's a lot of pressure that goes along with it to be able to handle that. It is amazing when I look back. It was almost like God, he ordained it because my husband's not a naturally outgoing person. He certainly is comfortable in his own skin and happy to talk to people, but he is a man of fewer words. And 
So the Lord bringing us together, we just really are a perfect match. My weaknesses are his strengths and vice versa. And I've loved being able to compliment one another in that. And I, I love walking into a room and meeting new people and talking to them. And I can talk to anybody about anything and be really happy about that. So it's, it definitely, it's been incredible preparation, not only for all of the fashion work that I've done with the league from designing gowns way back then with Sherry Hill and creating your wardrobe and putting things together. It's definitely set me up for helping our businesses be more successful. And even with cheerleading, because I was a competitive dancer before, being able to work with our cheer director and judge cheerleading tryouts and be involved with the swimsuit calendar. I just see every single thing that I went through with pageantry as perfect preparation for what I'm doing now. And what's really amazing is I just, I also see for Gracie and for Ava, if she chooses to pursue pageantry, that every single thing that they're doing makes them a better person from their pageant preparation, where Gracie would say, look, I'm so glad that I played soccer for most of my life. And she thought she was going to play college soccer. And she'd say that the lessons that she learned from team sports were invaluable. And she's so glad that she did that. But the skills that she learned, she certainly can't or doesn't use now. Where the skills that she learns from pageantry, she uses every single day. She just called me and said that she'd made a marketing presentation at SMU in one of her classes and how well it went and how happy she was. And I just think that her interview training, her onstage training, um, just learning to be comfortable in front of people and all of that preparation serves you well in life. Now, being around you two and the team all the time, um, raising your kids around, um, I guess, what we'll call celebrity a little bit, I I'm sure that can be challenging at times. I'd love to know kind of how you go about handling um, what they're exposed to and, and how you, um, I, I guess, control that a little bit. It is interesting, and it's very fun for them. They love the opportunity to meet someone that they follow on Instagram with a blue dot or or whoever it is that they come across. But I actually think what it's taught them from meeting so many celebrities is that they're just people. They're just people with exceptional talents in one area or another, but they're just people. And almost everyone we meet, come into contact with are incredibly kind and down to earth. And there are rare exceptions to that. But for the most part, it's amazing how how nice people are and how kind people are. And I think it's really inspiring. And for them to get to meet people who are doing things at a level above, whether it's acting or whether it's an athlete or a singer, I think challenges them to, to know that we all have greatness within us and that anything is possible. And, and just to find what it is that you love and what you're good at, because you usually do love what you're good at and make the most of it because any of us can be anything that we want to be in this incredible country that we live in. We have so much opportunity and it's exciting to see young people and to see all these precious pageant girls that we come into contact with all the time now to see what they're what they're doing and how they're changing the world in between 
when I competed and then got married. I judged pageants for a while, but then I really fell away from pageantry for a long time for, I mean, I would say a decade and a half, a very, very long time, maybe two decades. And it wasn't until Gracie had her fourth concussion and couldn't play soccer anymore and was looking for something else to pursue and asked me, hey, can you help me with pageantry? That we sort of, I got back into it. And I realized getting back into it, that these girls and the people involved with pageantry, they're the best people. They're ambitious. They're smart. They're compassionate. They're world changers. And I realized how much I'd missed the community. And it's, that's been the greatest blessing of having a daughter competing, too. One of the greatest blessings is, is getting to be back in this community with people who I think are truly exceptional across the board. Well, and being such a woman of influence, I mean, have you thought about getting more involved in the pageant world than you are? Uh, yes, we have. We've thought very much about that. It's something that we are interested in. It's a little tricky for us right now because Grace wants to compete in Miss USA. She's going to start competing probably next fall. And and once, you know, if she's if she's able to win a state pageant over the next few years and go to Miss USA, then after that, I would say you should look for us to become more involved. Yeah, because it's a conflict of interest. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's very excited about it. She's never she's never stopped working. She works on interview every week and she's in journalism. So she's constantly abreast of what's going on in the world and writing about it. And she, she's kept preparing. So and if that's her dream, then I'm excited for her to pursue it, because if God puts it on your heart until you see it through, you'll always feel that void. Well, I wanted to ask you, you know, as a mother to a pageant competitor, that's one thing. I know you have a son as well. And um, as I've watched your social media a little bit, I mean, you've got a lot of young guys on the team. Obviously, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL now plays for you. And and from what I can tell, do you kind of get to play mother to those guys as well and, and help raise them? Because I mean, these are young guys coming out of college who are handed a lot. And it's a lot of responsibility to handle and also just, you know, how do I navigate my life? Do you find yourself kind of stepping in there as a mother figure and saying, hey, guys, let me help you out here? I'm so happy to say that I think our team does an incredible job of that. The team recognizes these guys come straight into the NFL at a really young age, and they really do, like anyone, like a young pageant girl, a young athlete, they need they need mentors and they need people to come alongside them. We do a lot of education. We have rookie symposiums. Uh, we have a lot of sort of walking them through what does it look like when you come into celebrity and money and, and opportunity all at the same time. And how do you, how do you handle that? How do you manage it? And how do you not fall prey to someone in different ways? And so the guys have a lot of training in that. I think um, the head coach of the head coach, as I like to call her, Tammy Reed, who's Andy <laughs> Reed's wife, yes. she's pretty incredible. And she's, she's really the ultimate mentor for for these guys. She's amazing. And I'd say she more than anybody takes them under her wing and really expects a lot of them and is very frank and honest with them. I would say I'm more of their best cheerleader. I encourage them and tell them how happy and proud I am of them when they have involvement in the community and they're working to make a difference. And and I make sure that I'm always right there, no matter what, after the wins, after the losses, to, to let them know how much they mean to us and how proud we are of them. So I really believe in positive reinforcement. I've seen my son play soccer with 
so many boys for years whose parents yell things at them on the soccer field, coaching them and telling them that they missed an opportunity or to do something different. And no one rises or shines under criticism. People shrink under criticism. There's a time and a place for constructive criticism, but for the most part, I believe that it's positive reinforcement and believing in someone and telling them what they're capable of and how proud you are of their efforts. And it's the efforts and just continuing to work hard that will lead to the success that they're looking for. Well, and I think everything that you just talked about, you know, is very visible um, from the way that the Chiefs and the entire organization seem to be performing these last few years. I mean, I I remember going back to kind of that time when Andy Reid was hired, um, where your husband basically stepped forward and said, I need to take more of a, a bigger role in this thing and, you know, bring this organization back to prominence. And he has. And it's really been fun to watch. And I'm sure you obviously had a front row seat for how that all went down in that transition. Can you talk about it a little bit? I can. I would just say, honestly, my husband, he is one of the wisest and most patient people. I I would have to say he's the wisest and the most (laughs) person that I know. It's true. I mean, he puts up with me. He manages me so well. I'm, I'm definitely a little more emotional and fiery and he is just tempered and patient and he always thinks long-term and just, he's been, he's been a perfect match for me, but he's so wise in his decision-making and he really thinks a long way out. He always has a long-term plan, probably several of them, probably his long-term plan (laughs) and, you know, and different variations of it, but he has a great sense for people and, He knew as soon as Andy Reid was available um, when he was fired from the Eagles, he knew he wouldn't be available for very long. So he got on a plane and he flew to Philadelphia and they met in the airport and he didn't leave the room until they had a deal. They were there for the entire day. It was so long, hours and hours and hours, and they finally got it done. And the league is small. I think, you know, like pageantry, so many people know each other. And in the league with only 32 teams, we sort of all know each other. And we'd had opportunities to meet Tammy and Andy at, at league meetings. Um, they were good friends with Clark's parents. And Tammy and I played tennis together for years um, at league meetings. So it was just a perfect fit. And, and we love them so much. And she, she told me, you know, coaches, coaches, wives, general managers, they tend to move around a lot. And she she said to me recently that she decided that when she came to Kansas City, she would move, but she wasn't going to love it. And she wasn't going to make new friends because she had plenty of new friends. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> I love it. And I love all my new friends. And uh, she and I talk or text almost every day. We have a great friendship and relationship. And I'm just so grateful that it worked out that, that Clark could hire Andy and bring him to Kansas City because they're a very good team together. Well, on the flip side of things, you are the director of what's called the Kansas City Chiefs Women's Organization. Um, it sounds like something you created. Can you talk about it? The women's organization is just a huge passion for me. It's not actually something that I created, but it is something that we named and gave more organization and purpose and direction to. It's probably existed in, to some extent for maybe 20 years before I came on the scene where our head coach's wife would lead the other coach's wives and our player's wives 
in volunteer opportunities in the community. When I got involved with CWO, I said, you know what, let's let's give it a name and a logo and let, let's make sure that we serve as much as we can instead of just a few times a year. So we serve in the community probably twice a month. So every other week we have an event. And what's beautiful about it is with all the young wives or fiancés or sometimes just significant others who move into the city or who haven't been in the city very long, it gives them an opportunity to be introduced to incredible groups in Kansas City that are doing amazing work, making an impact in the community. And it ties them in so they can get a glimpse of what working at the children's place looks at looks like or what working at Children's Mercy Hospital looks like. And if they want to become involved with the military, we did this beautiful military baby shower, and they now know all of the contacts for that. So once they've served these probably eight different organizations over the course of the fall, then the rest of the year, they can decide, you know, I really love this, and I think I want it to benefit from our foundation, or I want to get involved in this in a larger way. So it's a win-win for our organization and the women involved in our organization and also for the city. And it looks like that you and Gracie really work together on a lot of this stuff and she learns so much from being able to do it with you. We believe parenting is our greatest job and our greatest challenge. And (laughs) it's so true. And Clark takes Noble to meetings with him when he has the opportunity, when he's not in school and it's appropriate. Um, They went on a spring break trip to Germany we have a partnership with Manchester United, the soccer team um, over in Munich, and Noble got to train with the youth team, but he also got to sit in on meetings with Clark related to the partnership. And I just think that teaching your kids, instructing them in the way they should go, and teaching them how much hard work it takes to be successful, anyone who is successful <laughs> in, across, across the board They're working hard, Um, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're running a well-established business, you're working hard to make that a success. And I just think it's really important for our kids to see how much there is to do in the community, how much need there is, and whether it's community service or running a business, it's a lot of work. And it's worth it. Well, I love that you guys have that servant leadership mentality. I mean, you just don't see that uh, very often. Um, in, in professional sports all the time. And it's really, really nice to, to and, and refreshing, quite frankly, to hear it um, from the standpoint of, of you and your husband and your family. Um, I did have one more question about pageants before we get into our uh, get to know Tavia questions. Uh, you had mentioned earlier that um, you would be interested in getting more involved after Gracie kind of finishes competing. Um, I guess here's my question. Would you like to see any changes right now? And if so, what would those be? Like if you could take over an organization and say, hey, I'd like to see these things instead, what would that look like? Mm, That's a really good question. I think my management style is very similar to Clark's just because we've been together for 26 years and I've learned a few things from him over that time. I think you surround yourself with the very best people you can find who are the best at what they do and who hold your values and your and, and you share a similar philosophy. So for me, part of what would make Miss USA better, I would like to see more focus on the girls. And although I love a good production as much as anyone, I don't think 
that it's about the production. Just like to me, the Super Bowl is about the Super Bowl. It's about the game. It's about the players. It's not about the halftime. I could care less about the halftime. I know people love it, but I'd like to see some things changed about that as well. And I I think that we get lots of entertainment and we're used to entertainment at the highest level and that we should have a great production at Miss USA. But I would probably turn back the clock on a few things. Like I would love to see state costumes added back. We had state costumes when I competed. I thought it was so fantastic. Everyone loves it at Miss Universe, and I'd love to see state costumes added back. I'd also like to see more about the girl. I'd like to see Miss USA and Miss Teen USA at events. I'd like to see them at more than just Smile Train, at more than just Best Buddies. I think that there's so much and that we're just underutilizing them, and there's so much opportunity out there. So those are the things that jump out to me at first. I probably have a long list and a notebook <laughs> somewhere. Well, um, I, I, but, I've had uh, former title holders on, including somebody right around your time. Uh, she was Miss Universe 1992, Michelle McLean. And she she almost mimicked everything you just said, where she she loved a lot about the 90s. There was, it was just a true beauty pageant era in the way that Miss USA approached it. And she said there was a lot of the glamour aspects that she would love to bring back. And it sounds like that's kind of where you're at, in addition to, you know, making it more about the girls. I completely agree with her. And I believe in best practices. That's something that we have in the NFL where we share best practices among, between franchises. And I don't think we do enough of that between states and the Miss USA system. You're only as strong as your weakest business partner. So I think there's so many things that we can do to increase our numbers, to increase the revenue, and to really just make it a better experience for the girls. I want to see prize packages. That's something that I want to see. I want to see Miss USA and Miss Teen USA win a car. I want to see them win oh, just beautiful things and and really reward, materially reward all of their hard work and efforts in getting there to that point. I think it's so exciting, especially for a girl like me who came from a very middle-class family. It was pageantry that gave me, at that point in my life, some of the most beautiful things that I had. And um, it just felt, it was so fun and glamorous. And I, I, I'd love to see that for the girls today. Well, I, I'll give you a perfect example. I had a, a Miss Illinois USA on the other day, and I was just asking her about, you know, what her thoughts were on competing because she actually competed in the, not the late 2000s, but like 2012 was her first year, and then she competed this year as a Miss. And so she got to see it from a couple of different aspects. But what, the one thing that she and many of the others said was that uh, Miss USA currently, from an IMG standpoint, is what they call relatable. You know, she's just more down to earth. Uh, you know, she has a story and a purpose, etc. But what they loved about the the older generation of pageants, you know, just going back 10 years, maybe 20 or 30 years, is that Miss USA at times, because she had such a glamorous job, seemed untouchable. And that's what they loved about it. was not that she was untouchable, but that she seemed untouchable. And they wanted to live that level of success because if they look at her and say, God, I want to be her, and then they do get there, then they can say, now I am her. And that untouchable quality uh, was very attractive to them. Is that something that, that you look at and say, I, I kind of like that? That's interesting. To me, I, I might use a different word because I definitely see Miss USA and Miss Teen USA as relatable. I mean, it has, I almost think she has to be somebody who has accomplished a lot, but also is, is the girl next door where you have a shot. You're like, I can, that's why I started 
in pageantry was a friend of mine won Miss Missouri Teen USA, and we we danced together. And I said, "Wow, if she can win Miss Missouri Teen USA, mm-hmm. then I'm going to try to win Miss Missouri Teen USA," because I thought I had a chance. And so I think you can achieve the untouchable by changing it to just glamorous. She needs to be incredibly glamorous by being on every red carpet we can get her on. She needs to be at events. I just feel like there are so many more opportunities for Miss USA. I talked that Sarah Rose said one of her favorite events of her reign was going to the NFL Honors. And it is a fabulous event. I, I love it. We go every year. It's wonderful. And we were so happy to have her and Catriona there. But they should be at 20 more of those. Um, yeah. And I think that putting them in those situations on red carpets and giving them those opportunities, that it's that glamour and allure that we're looking for while keeping them very relatable. Well, and what you're saying is exactly what I'm hearing from pretty much the entire pageant world. They're crying out for that. I don't know if you want to call it a status symbol or what, but I mean, yeah, when you are at all those events, uh, there is success and celebrity is associated with that and it makes you feel empowered. And I think they're all craving that so much because they watched, you know, people like Shandy Finnessy in 2004 do it. And, you know, she's in modern day, it's probably her and Olivia Cope will get the most like when I ask people like, who do they look up to? Those are the two that I hear the most because of what they were able and allowed to do during their reigns. And so it sounds like you are right on par with everybody's thinking, which is awesome. I, I think that making an incredible prize package and an incredible parent appearance package is the key for growing this pageant. Um, it's not just about selling advertising and, and making money. I do believe everybody wants to make money, but because the pageant is personal to me, um, as it is to pretty much anybody who's been through the system, you want an incredible experience for those title holders and for everyone else to aspire to. So I think that's why, because it just raises the level and the opportunity. And I think you'll get more contestants across the board in every state if we do that. Well, look, I certainly appreciate you sharing all that. I I don't want you to break out your entire playbook today, but thank you so much for just kind of giving some insight into what you think it could be, because it sounds like everything that I'm hearing, even in private conversations offline, Um, a lot of the stuff that you said is what people are dying to see. So uh, I think you'd be very successful at it. Well, with so many of us feeling that way, I just have to be optimistic that one of these days we're going to see those changes happen. I I certainly hope so myself. (laughs) Well, hey, uh, as we wrap up here, just a couple of minutes left, uh, I wanted to do our 10 uh, rapid fire get to know you questions. These are totally fun questions just meant to get to know you a little bit differently and uh, totally meant to be fun. So just have some fun with them. Are you ready? Sure, let's go. Okay, here we go. Uh, number one, what is your favorite 90s jam? Mm. Tim, the 90s were so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> any any oh, workout God. songs you had when you were training for oh, the pageant or anything? Got, probably, it's probably got to be, uh, maybe Duran Duran was who I liked back in the day. All right, number two, uh, as a child or as a young teenager what did you want to be when you grew up i always wanted to be an independent difference maker which is why i think i chose to study environmental law or why i I was aspiring towards environmental law with with political science and biology Um, i just wanted to make a difference and to leave the world better than i found it 
All right, number three. What is one of the things that you would still like to cross off your bucket list? That is a great question. Well, let's say, how about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl? Yes, and by the way, your <laughs> fan gonna, base deserves it as much that. as anybody. Yes. Yeah, for sure, hands down, Chiefs winning the Super Bowl is what I'd like to cross off my bucket list. I've been to, <laughs> I've been to twenty six Super Bowls now, and uh, we have yet to play in it since I've been around. We did play in it, played in Super Bowl one and won Super Bowl four. But we are long overdue, and that is the top of my list. Number four, what's the best piece of advice you've ever given your kids? The best piece of advice is not to lower your standards, but to lengthen your patience. I think it's just so important that you that you know what you believe and why you believe it, and that you don't compromise. Uh, number five, what store do you shop at the most? Mm, I hate to say it. My husband calls it needless markup but it's Neiman Marcus <laughs> that's great I love that I know it's it's awful it's it's my it's very close to where we live and if I'm shopping for clothes that's probably that's probably my go-to place uh, number six <laughs> uh, which decade had your favorite fashion trends it's probably right now I love so many trends and classics from the past but I feel like right now, in today's day and age, you can showcase your personal style however you want to. It's sort of like anything goes. And and so I'd say right now, because we can build on everything that's come in the past, and, and it's just such a fun time that you can really create any kind of a look that you want. And it's accessible, because fashion is, today, really whatever makes you feel comfortable and confident and shine the brightest. All right, there you go. All right, number seven, what is the greatest compliment that someone could give you? That they saw me acting Christ-like to someone. I just think this is such a selfie, me-focused world that when we take time to serve others and be available to others uh, because we make time for whatever is important and when we make time for others and you're available to help people and to mentor people there's nothing more important than that awesome all right number eight um you guys like to travel so what's the favorite destination you've ever visited for i'd have to say number one our favorite place as a family and for me personally is arrowhead stadium that is number one, our very favorite place. Um, as far as vacationing in the United States, we love Colorado. We spend a lot of time in the summer and a little bit of time in the winter in Colorado. And it's just a reprieve. The mountains are incredible. And we just love the peaceful feeling that we get from that experience. All right, number nine, what is one item that you could never live without? Oh, there are so many, Tim. If I were on a deserted <laughs> island, Without my stuff, it would be really ugly. Um, <laughs> I'm like, wait, do I go with uh, do I go with concealer, which is super important, or do I go with my phone because it has my Bible on it plus everything else? I hear that one else, often. I hear that one often. Yeah, I mean, in truth, it probably is the phone because of staying in touch with people. Now that we have FaceTime. It's the best to be able to FaceTime with people who are out of town and, and stay in touch with them. That's my favorite thing about 
about the iPhone, um, pictures, uh, like I said, my Bible maps so that I can find my way. (laughs) Know where you're going, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's way too useful and I'm way too dependent on it. All right, last one. Which one do you prefer, Facebook or Instagram? There's no question. I absolutely prefer Instagram. Now, it's great because I link my Instagram to my Facebook like a lot of people do. And generationally, it's so fascinating because it really is a younger demographic that uses Instagram than uses Facebook. And I think in general that as I talk to people, most of our chief fans and um, and especially pageant girls, it seems like they really gravitate toward Instagram. This podcast wouldn't exist if I just posted on Facebook. Instagram 100% for the pageant community. Oh, Timothy, although everyone knows who you are. You can post on <laughs> Facebook and, and you'd have 5,000 friend requests the first day. So I don't even have 5,000 friends. Group. That's okay. But no, I, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right. So you're off the hook. You answered all 10 questions. Thanks so much for doing that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show today. I appreciate the chance to visit with you and, and to get to know you a little bit better as well. Well, very good. Well, hey, thanks so much for the time. I know you're a super busy woman, as you mentioned, and I just really appreciate an hour of your time and and just sharing all this with everybody. You're so kind. Well, thank you for even wanting to have me on. And and I'm so, I'm so, I've never been more surprised about, other than you living in Denver, that you wanted (laughs) to have me on your show. Oh my gosh, you kidding me? It was a true honor. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Tavia Hunt for her time. Now, if you want to follow Tavia on social media, as you heard her say at the end of the podcast there, Instagram is where she's at. Follow her at Tavia Hunt. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God and Savior. My hope is in you all day long. Have an awesome week, everybody.